Welcome to the Fleet Navigator podcast from Leaseplan, your go-to GPS for everything for vehicle fleets. I'm joined today by specialist fleet consultant Caroline Sandler-Mansur, or as Kaz, as her friends call her. And today, Kaz will be talking Kaz. See what I did there? Clean air zones, or Kazes, as we'll no doubt call them throughout this podcast, aren't just an idea anymore. Yeah, that's right, Matt. They're real. They're here. You might have driven through a Kaz without even knowing, or you might have driven through a Kaz and definitely known about it because you had to fork out some money for the privilege. <laughs> Whatever the case, Kazes are a growing feature of the British motoring landscape. More and more are going to appear in the years ahead, and fleet professionals need to know what to expect. Where have they already appeared? Where are they going to appear? And what do they mean for your routes, your vehicles, and your finances? And that's why we're recording this podcast today, so we're going to answer those questions and more, prepare you for what's to come. But before we get into all of that, let's just quickly start with the basics of what CASs actually are, why they came about. So, what is a clean air zone? A clean air zone is an area where special measures are taken to improve air quality. Various local authorities have introduced CASAs recently, more set to follow in the next few years. And broadly speaking, there are two types. You've got a charging CAS and a non-charging CAS. So a charging CAS is one where a fee is imposed on any vehicles passing through it that do not meet minimum emission standards. A non-charging CAS does not impose fees on vehicles, but instead it relies on other measures to improve air quality. Things like improve public transport, improve road layouts, more cycle lanes, etc. Now that can apply to both sets of CAS, so you may pay a fee and see those non-charging elements coming through as well. So why did they come about? Well, in 2010, the UK signed up to a number of limits on air pollution, including limits on harmful nitrogen dioxide, or NOx, emissions. The known air 2 limits have been breached in parts of the UK in every year since their introduction. And in July 2017, after a series of legal challenges, the government published its air quality plan. The headline announcement was a total ban on the sale of new diesel and petrol cars by 2040. That date, of course, has since been brought forward to 2030. But the air quality plan also identified numerous local authorities where urgent action was needed to bring NOx levels and NO2 levels back within legal limits and ordered those authorities to do something about it. One of the options left open to local authorities with the introduction of clean air zones or CASs, and it was down to the authorities themselves to decide how these CASs might operate, but the government did make one stipulation. A charging CAS should only be introduced if non-charging measures will not by themselves reduce air pollution swiftly enough. So let's have a look at which vehicles are affected. So listen closely, there's a few facts and figures and things to remember here. So again, it's up to local authorities to decide which vehicles, if any, will be charged within a CAS zone. However, government has provided some guidance here. The air quality plan describes four classes of CAS, depending on the vehicles that are charged within them. So these four classes are A, B, C and D. A is buses, coaches, taxis and private hires. B adds on HGVs. C adds on large and small vans, minibuses, and then when we get to D, you then add in cars, motorcycles and mopeds. It also suggests minimum emission standards for those different types of vehicles. So buses, coaches, HGV, Euro 6. Vans and cars for diesel, Euro 6. For petrol, Euro 4. 
and for motorcycles and mopeds it's Euro 3. So let's take a look at one of probably the most well-known example which is London. London has been effectively operating a clean air zone for over a decade now. The low emission zone has imposed a fee of up to £100 a day on older, dirtier vans and lorries in much of the Greater London area since 2008. In 2018 and 19, the thinking behind the low emission zone was expanded to include cars and more recent vehicles. First came the T-Charge, then that was replaced by the ultra low emission zone which was used to cover the same area as the congestion charge zone but importantly as of october last year this now reaches up to but not including the north and south circular roads the ultra low emission zone uses the government's recommended minimum standards as we've just talked about or caroline's just taken you through and cars and vans that do not meet minimum emission standards have to pay 12 pound 50 a day to drive within the ultra low emission zone this is on top of the existing £11.50 congestion charge and the charge for non-complying heavy goods vehicles, buses and coaches is £100. And more importantly, the exemption for residents was removed earlier last year, meaning that anybody who is living and operating within that zone is affected. Let's look at where else these zones have been introduced. So we have some that are live and we're going to talk about these now. Three last year, Bath, Birmingham and Portsmouth. And interesting to note here that the details of each of these three cases are different. So again, listen closely and spot the differences. So Bath City Council introduced a Class C charging zone, 15th of March 2021. Non-compliant HGVs, buses, coaches pay £100 a day. Taxis, minibuses and vans are charged £9 a day. But cars and motorcycles are currently exempt for this Bath zone. Moving on to Birmingham, Birmingham City Council introduced a Class D charging zone 1st of June last year. That's £8 a day for all non-compliant cars, taxis and LGVs. Non-compliant HGVs, coaches and buses pay £50 a day. Portsmouth went live 29th November last year. Non-compliant buses, coaches, taxis, private hires, HGVs paid £20 a day and cars are exempt. So if you live or work around any of these areas or even if you tend to drive through on occasion do go online and check the details exactly the areas covered the hours of operation and so on and again as I said just now be really mindful of the fact that different zones have different charging regimes so you really need to look into the detail there. As more and more cases get introduced, fleets are going to have to get used to this because there's going to be a patchwork of different motoring rules and charges across the country. Thanks, Caroline. So what's next? Even more clean air zones. So it's been expected that other cities would have introduced clean air zones by now, including, for example, Bristol and Leeds. But lots of these clean air zones have been postponed or even put on hold indefinitely, including most recently Manchester. And one of the reasons for this was, and to some extent still is, the pandemic. The lockdowns and other stoppages made it harder to implement clean air zones and even made them less urgent. Because fewer people were leaving their homes and driving around, pollution levels fell naturally. We've seen it in the work that we do that business mileage in particular has, has collapsed and fallen off a cliff. But each city, of course, is different and has its own reasons. Leeds has now actually shelved its plans for a clean air zone because according to a review code published by the Cities Council last year, businesses switched to cleaner vehicles faster than expected. So extra measures just aren't necessary. 
Bristol's now expected to launch its clean air zone in September of this year. Under current plans, this will impose £9 a day fee on non-compliant cars, vans, taxis and private hire vehicles, with a £100 day fee for non-compliant heavier vehicles. However, it's likely to be delayed further. If you've driven through the city of Bristol most recently, you'll spot that there's no infrastructure, no NPR cameras in the centre at all. And one of the most notable upcoming cases and most notable delays, as I mentioned before, is in Greater Manchester. This covers 10 local authority areas and is set to be the biggest in the country. However, it's been pushed back again and again and is now expected in some point in the summer of this year. The last phase's postponement was caused by COVID, but in a different way than you might expect. It's thought that it's pandemic-related supply issues, as well as factors in the second-hand vehicle market that make it harder for people to upgrade to cleaner vehicles. So the Mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, has asked for more time to figure things out, particularly when it comes to the impact that cars will have on businesses and individuals. When it does happen, it's expected that Greater Manchester's clean air zone will impose a £60 a day fee on non-compliant HGVs, buses and coaches, while non-compliant vans, taxis and minibuses will pay between £7.50 and £10 a day. Private cars will be exempt, unless of course that changes again. But whatever the particular circumstances of particular areas, the basic point remains. Clean air zones are a reality, more clean air zones are coming, other areas to keep an eye on include Sheffield, Newcastle, Bradford, Cambridge and more. And notably, I think, Matt, we've noticed that some of those councils have looked at a more phased approach as well. Um, so that's also happening in Scotland where the zone itself goes live, but charging doesn't necessarily go live at the same time. Charging may come in you know, months or even a year later. But let's look about what a different approach might be. So... One thing the pandemic demonstrated to us is that car zones are not an immovable object. Air pollution levels can and indeed will change, making special action either more or less necessary depending on which way the numbers go. So it's worth thinking about how local authorities will act in future as potentially air gets cleaner due to the cars themselves and to more of us driving electric vehicles. So might they loosen their plans? And this isn't something that we should just assume. In fact, the evidence so far is local authorities are going to become more strict about air quality in future. So instead of just clean air zones, a number are thinking about zero emission zones or even other restrictions on road transport. So at the time of recording today, Oxford City Council are just about to pilot a zero emission zone in parts of the city centre. And this red zone will impose a charge of £10 on all petrol and diesel vehicles that enter it between 7am and 7pm. Birmingham, which remember has already introduced a zone, has also published a draft transport plan proposes further measures over the next decade, including banning private vehicles from travelling through the city centre, only entering and leaving through certain areas. That follows even more localised measures, for example, Hackney and Islington, both of which are part of London's ULES, banning all non-ultra emission vehicles, so those are the 75 grams and below, from two streets in Shoreditch, from 7 to 10 a.m., and 4 to 7pm on a Monday to Friday. So fleets need to think now about what these sorts of restrictions could mean for them and their operations. So there are already measures pushing us into EVs, grants, more forgiving tax rates, CASAs are another, Zs, let's call them that, could be another still. 
And what's more, this isn't just a one or two year process. Businesses ought to be thinking about how their operations are going to need to change in the next five to ten years to reduce that air pollution. So what do clean air zones mean for fleets? Most obviously, if your vehicles don't meet minimum emission standards, fleet operators will face extra charges for journeys that go through clean air zones. But no two fleets are the same. And no two fleets will be affected by clean air zones in the same way either. Much will depend on the quantity and quality of the clean air zones introduced near you, the nature of the journeys you undertake, and the current makeup of your fleet, and more. However, there are some general lessons. So, know your area, quite simply. Many local authorities are yet to introduce their clean air zones, although most are coming soon. This means that fleets do have some time to prepare, and the first step is discovering whether any clean air zones are planned in your area, as well as in other locations where your company's vehicles travel. Be tech savvy. Telematic systems are likely to be invaluable in the years ahead. Not only can they help you to discover how many of your fleet's journeys could be affected by prospective clean air zones, they can also help you to plan alternative routes. And many technology solutions, telematic solutions, are now very, very cheap to install and very efficient to run. Future-proof your fleet. The surest way of avoiding any clean air zone charges is to make sure that your vehicles meet minimum emission standards. Given all the other policies that are being introduced to incentivise cleaner motoring, it might also be the right time to consider going electric. And be flexible. As the legislative landscape changes, your fleet should be able to change with it. And perhaps your wider thinking too, alternative ideas, bike schemes for employees, may become more attractive as clean air zones are introduced. Let's think about the bigger story here. So although the story of clean air zones is to some extent a fragmented story, different measures in different places affecting different vehicles all differently, we shouldn't lose sight of the bigger story. This is a huge historic movement away from fossil fuel motoring towards cleaner forms of transport, which includes electric vehicles. Clean air zones are part of this story, one of the most important parts, but they're still just a part. There are the grants, low emission tax measures we've nodded towards already, charge points that are proliferating around the country and ever improving, advances in battery tech that are being made all the time. This all culminates in 2030 to 2035. First of all, new conventional petrol and diesel cars and vans will be removed from sale in the UK, then hybrids too. Then after that point, all new vehicles will be expected to be zero emissions at the tailpipe. But maybe culminates is not maybe the right word. Battle against emissions, the battle for our climate is going to continue well past any government set deadline. Already researchers are looking into how to limit the particulates coming off of tyres from EVs, for example. This is the story that fleets need to familiarise themselves with, make themselves part of today. Thanks, Caroline. Well, that's all for this episode of Fleet Navigator. And thanks once again to Caroline Sandelman-Sir for another thoughtful session. Hope you enjoyed it. Do subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode. Um, and also go to insights.leaseplan.co.uk where you'll find links to clean air zone information and other useful sites. Next time, we'll be talking about ESG reporting. Thank you for listening.